Hello, Tom. Hello, Heron. So, <laughs> a long list of listener-submitted topics, some topics oh, of good. my own, and uh, do you have any topics you want to raise? Well, I just want to start off on a personal note. Okay. I almost canceled tonight. Okay. I- I've been in such a bad mood all day. Oh. And uh, <laughs> and it, it really gets to you know, I am great. When everyone else is freaking out and panicking, I get real calm and mm-hmm. collected, and I'm good in emergencies. Mm-hmm. It's just ordinary bullshit daily life that I can't stand, mm. <laughs> you know. And uh, I, I tried to make some. Ch- I needed to make a change to my uh, Time Warner cable account. Uh oh. Uh-oh. Well, I've never had any trouble with them before. It, it, it's always been good, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, they've always... I've, I mean, it was okay, but I mean, nothing really to complain about. I, I've been happy. Uh, but just for the last three days, I've been just trying to call them, and I must have spent at least three hours on hold. Mm. And, uh, and not ever getting through, finally just giving up, you know? Mm. So t- today, I finally, I finally got through, and... Um, Anyway, it's a long story. Anyway, the cha- we need to make a change to my account in order for it to activate. I had to sign up for this account where I get a free phone, you know. <laughs> so, so I'm actually paying. I'm getting. I went. I used to get 14.6 megabits down and uh, two up. Yeah. So, and now I'm getting 20 down and um, three up. Uh-huh. Uh, everything else is exactly the same. Plus. I have to take this fucking phone that I have no use for. Yes. And, and I can't activate the account until I go to their store and pick up the phone. Oh, my goodness. Which, which seemed, well, I figured, screw it. You know, it's, I'll do it. I'll just drive over. It, the store was like two miles from here. You know? So <laughs> it's like, get in the car, drive over there, pick up the phone, and that activates the account. Well, I get over there, and there isn't any store at that location. Uh, there isn't even an address like that. So I came back phoned again and uh, waited for a half hour on hold. <laughs> and you use then, the internet? I mean, you seem to be using the phone an awful lot. I mean, I, I've had similar experiences, but couldn't you just look up online? Like, couldn't you just Google no, the I tried store to, location? Oh, oh, yeah, you can, but they're not accurate. That's, oh. that's, the, that's what... Because they that's go out of business I'm, so quickly. That, that, I don't know what's going on, but yeah. I ended up going to... Th- they, they said, oh, so sorry. I mean, the problem is each person I talked to was so nice. Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're really well-trained, knowledgeable mm. people, but they don't have enough of them. Uh, that's the problem, I guess. But in any case, uh, so they gave me another location, and I got in the car and went over there, and it wasn't there. So now I was really getting pissed, you know, I mean, the hold and that. And I had to go back and call again and be on hold again and see if I couldn't talk to a supervisor mm. or somebody who could give me a fucking address that worked. And I did. I got through to somebody and they gave me another address that they assured me was good. It was much further away. It's hotter than hell down here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I drove over there and it's not there. And I can't activate the account until I get the phone, which I don't want. <laughs> you know, it's like they can't just change the account and give me the 20 megs down. Uh, they, I have to go pick up the phone, then they're going to give My it. view is that you've actually, you've moved into sainthood here, Heron. You've overcome <laughs> all possible. I mean, my view is that this is, this is the point where you ask for a manager and then you ask for a manager's manager. 
And then you actually ask for, I mean, the, I would call. Well, that was what I was doing. Offices. Yeah, well, that was what I, listen, when I came, when I called back, I mean, after, after the third time, I, I got back and I called and I said, you know, I want to talk to a supervisor. Yes. And, uh, and the guy said, well, let me see if I can't just fix this for you. Uh, and I said, okay. I mean, because I can say the people I talked to were really nice. Yeah. But, I, but I'm going fucking crazy. I mean, my blood pressure must have been up to 180, you know, over 150 or something. I was so pissed. Yeah. And, and in any case, this guy actually solved the problem. What he did is rather than me having to go to the store, they're going to actually deliver the modem, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, but I still can't get the new, the 20 megs down until after they, del- I guess, you know, they got to do something, to, you know, so I got to wait till next Wednesday to get the faster internet. But in any case, yeah. you know, and, and it's t- uh, 15 bucks a month cheaper, faster internet and everything else is the same. Plus I have this <laughs> fucking phone. <laughs> Anyway, yes. I'm supposed, I mean, my view is that this is just what living in this country is about. Well, I, have, I don't have anything to do with this shit. Yeah. That's, the thing is that that's why I'm a hermit. I have really low tolerance for this. This shit just drives me crazy. I don't know how people stand it. If I lived like most people do, I'd probably be in jail for murder. Yes. I I have so many of these. My my favorite, however, is getting (laughs) the iPhone 5. I haven't told you this story, but I'll... I'll, I have told the listeners of Model Rail Radio because it related to Model Rail Radio. Yeah. So on the date of the iPhone launch, I had stayed up till midnight to get the iPhone from my wife and I. My wife was away, so I decided to work from home in the morning so I could go. And we had people in town. We had, like, um, listeners from Australia who were coming into town and they were doing layout tours and my wife goes to Southern California. She takes the car and I don't mind, you know, walking and catching the bus when I need to. So I thought, okay, this will be easy. I've got the new phone. I've got the iPhone five. I'll get on the bus. I've got GPS. I've got all those stuff. Yeah, on the phone. You got I'll everything be, you need. It's going to be fun. <laughs> so anyway, it's so like the phone arrives, I brush my teeth I get ready, get on the bus. I'm about three or four miles up the street. And I think to myself, I should really probably, um, like, you know, oh, I had to email someone, that's right, because I wanted to see one of the guys along the stop, his wife works at Santa Cruz, uh, Santa Cruz University. She teaches, like, virtual interfaces and things, and I wanted to meet with her to see, you know, if we could talk about that associated with Mobile Ape. So I thought, okay, I'll send this woman an email, look at the phone, I'm not getting any data service. So I have this phone, I'm on a bus going who knows where with no data service. And <laughs> my first response is, okay, I've got to at least try and call at and I had a phone service, I just had no data. So I call up at I'm surprised the battery, you know, that you didn't have to charge it first. <laughs> no, it, they, it arrived fully charged. So anyway, I get through, and I go through three people at at and I eventually decide to get off the bus because I've got no clue where I am. You know, I used to catch yeah. the buses all the time. Here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but without without GPS now, I'm just completely useless. <laughs> yeah. So I got off the bus. I crossed over the street to catch the bus back to our apartment complex, as at least I knew where that was. And I decided I'd try to go through AT and T. So I called twice. Was disconnected on both occasions. Finally, on the other side, called up, and they, <laughs> for whatever reason, decided that they wanted to connect me to an international data plan, because I didn't sound like an American, I guess. Uh, yeah. And then it began. Anyway, finally, after I arrived back here, I was able to call the people, and they were stopping at a place which was about three miles away that I'd have to cycle to, to get there. At least I could get there with printed maps. And um, finally, 
I think it was the next day, actually, I got through to someone to AT&T and they said, have you tried rebooting the phone? And of course, I hadn't tried rebooting the phone. Rebooted the phone, mysteriously, the data connection came up and it was all good again. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, my experience with regards to cable companies in particular, Uh, because they just changed the billing structure too. So if you actually read your bill and you realise that you're being charged for five separate devices that you don't have, (laughs) and then you, you talk to someone who... And you just hear this. <laughs> and they're like, oh, please just stay on the line. Yeah. And you're like, so I'm, I'm you know, an hour and a half later, this guy's gone half my address. <laughs> anyway. This, oh, is just, this is just yeah. standard homo sapiens. Yeah, life, yeah. Well, Eric. see, that's the thing is that I I have uh, structured my life so that I don't experience this very often. And uh, like I say, I, I it's just uh, I'm just not cut out for humans. You know, yes. it's just. I mean, again, it was into, what was I felt sort of bad because the I wanted to yell at the people, but they were so nice, you know. And they said, you know, I, I understand. You go ahead and yell at me. Uh, you know, that's our job. <laughs> you know? So then I felt bad. <laughs> but uh, this is sheer incompetence. I mean, the fact that they give you three locations that don't exist. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that they, 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 clearly, yeah. Are, that's that's a big problem. They don't even know where they're fucking, and you can't call these stores beforehand to find out where they're there. They all have one phone number that goes into the same 800 number when you call the cable company. So these individual stores cannot be called. I mean, not by mere humans. What you need to do is is find, which you can actually do with Google, you can find the address of the store next door. And call oh, the store call next door. them and see if Do you have time Warner Cable store next door? <laughs> no, hasn't been there for 10 months. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, stay yeah. on the line. Actually, what you could do with if you call them via <laughs> Skype, you can actually bring in the call of the store next door. You don't have a time Warner store next to you? No, okay. Five months? <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah, it's just extraordinary, yeah, I, Darren. It, it was... Well, anyway, the thing is, is I just... You know... In this situation where we are right now, and on my uh, podcasts and stuff, when I'm you know doing Gendo, it's so fucking easy to be enlightened, <laughs> you know. But man, if you wanted to see a rabid language monkey today, if you'd been following me around, <laughs> you would have seen yourself one rabid language monkey. Yes. Uh, and so I wasn't sure whether I was actually going to be able to recover. But once I talked to that last guy and he actually handled it, yeah. um, you know, it took me. I mean, I had some inertia going that had to wind down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but after a couple hours, uh, you know, I, I, I feel pretty good now. So, <laughs> but man, I, I haven't been that angry, that pissed off, that off center and agitated. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't recall really the last time. Yeah, when I broke down that door of the people who exploited <laughs> me, and I was going to kill them. Yes, and that was that was sort of the condition I was in. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I'm here and I'm feeling okay. Very good. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm really. And glad. I'm looking forward to getting through a couple glasses of wine. Actually. Even better. Yes, <laughs> that'll, that'll probably help even more. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very good. Very good. I have a number of uh, number of topics actually that have been suggested by a few listeners, um, mainly for last week's show. And apologies to folks for not recording a, a show last week. Unfortunately, the uh, the salt mine was uh, was calling. 
But oh, I, you know, actually, let me. I'm going to say one more thing too, mm-hmm. because it, this is likely that. Well, who knows? In the event that this happens again, mm-hmm. since I already have the time, I mean, I have all the time in the world. I don't have any money, but I do have all the time in the world. Yes. <laughs> and so, if this happens again in the future, I intend to again uh, be available on Teamspeak to talk. So here's here's a question I have for you, and this actually I wanted to put out as a topic for this evening. Yeah. How I mean. My view is if you've got Facebook chat, which does, I think, audio and video, I'm pretty sure. I haven't been able to get it to work. Oh, okay. So you have Skype as well, which would require, I think, the problem... Yeah, but I can't control the mics. Well, I mean, look, Marie Camacho clearly is going to uh, provide an epistemological challenge that you will not be able to... uh, Well, I would love to talk to anybody, but they're they're just going to have to do it. Uh, on TeamSpeak. You've got to download software. It's the simplest thing in the world. If they they can't handle that, I probably don't want to talk to them. (laughs) I mean, you download the software, you double-click it, you you go to the address and add the address that I give you and the password that I give you and click go, and you're there. It's just, you know... Anybody can handle that. I, it, my view is it's 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 a barrier. I mean, it well, is. You're right. You're right. I, Nobody I in, showed I up. I got in Friday night. I was online, and uh, Tracy Putia and Marie Camacho were both online. I was looking around for Peter Stimple. Obviously, I think he he does things on a Friday night. You you had two of our kind of primary listeners ready to have a conversation. Well, and you I were don't on know Teamspeak. They, well, yeah, I know. Well, I'm op- I guess, listen, if, if everybody writes in and says, oh, do it on Skype or something else, uh, I'll consider it. I, I'm not, it's just that uh, I like TeamSpeak. It works well. And Jesus Christ, if you can't figure that out, uh, how the hell can you figure out, you know, that the voice in your head isn't who you are? You know? <laughs> Actually, the voice in your head isn't who you are is easier than, than, than Skype. So. That's exactly my point, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so... Moving on, a number of a number anyway. Of I just wanted to point that out certainly. because I have a I have this sense that probably the, the listeners don't have any sense of real time about this. This is just something they go and download. They know it's recorded sometime, yeah. you know. But uh, it actually does. Work. We set aside this time to be here. Well, I don't set it aside really. I'm just here, <laughs> you know. And, yeah. and whether you're here or not, I'm still here. <laughs> and uh, so uh, anyway, I will be available in the future. On TeamSpeak, or if everybody insists, uh, we can do it in Skype. Yeah, I think that's probably the the lower barrier for entry. But anyway, moving yeah. on. Mike King, who's a listener who's called into Model Rail Radio, asks a question associated with guilt, and I'll just read it out. Okay. At some level, I've always known that most of my internal conflicts are not real. And since I started following these podcasts and some of your writings, I think that those struggles are between me and the language monkey. Tom had mentioned the guilt of being a son, of being a success, and those two things really struck home. I am at a point now where I'm aware that the voice in my head is not me, but I still listen to it. I'm trying to understand how to move forward, but I'm a little stuck. Yeah, I read that. I responded to that. Too. I know, I know. You yeah. asked him yeah. to, to have a conversation. Yeah, let's talk. We should talk. <laughs> yeah. D- doing this in the abstract, I mean, I can come up with something. That's easy. But uh, to be really helpful to you, it, it would be better if we could talk for a few minutes. It wouldn't take long, but, yeah. But, I mean, when you do that, because you've done that in the past, you have numerous prior recordings 
where you do this, where you actually talk to people about this. Oh process. yeah, yeah. Some it's probably already the answer that I would give is probably recorded at least ten times. That's my theory. So, so let's explore some of those others that you have spoken to and offer a kind of generic possibility here associated yeah, yeah. with. Why don't I offer one first? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My yeah. view is. That this and what are we responding to specifically? We're Advice how, for him how to proceed? Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. When you... Th- there are two parts to this in my own thinking. The first is that the internal narrative, for me, is very much associated with my parents and the narrative that they've given me and also other, you know, various disturbing characters through my life that have, you know... And I need to say that I'm almost completely silent now for this reason internally because i think fundamentally the kind of advice for want a better term that the language monkey provides is very much prefaced on everything that i have acted against through my life in fact that's really i've actually done physical actions to move myself away from the internal narrative i've made decisions i've done things that would appear to be counterintuitive to people that have known me historically. And my view is that when you actually move away from the language monkey, either in some physical way or some intentional way, or you do actions that go against the voice, then you are actually making a very strong distancing claim associated with it. I think merely being able to view it, having the language to identify the language machine and and see it as something that's out there that, that is not you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, there are a lot of ways to respond to that, and, and each individual is going to deal with that, you know, in a very different way, probably. So the, that's why there isn't really, I don't think, one answer. But the idea is, if once you're aware of that, you're really in a, you're really playing a new game. It, it change, that's a game changer when you when you see the voice or when you no longer are identified with the voice most people i assert are identified with the voice mm. they think that's who they are they mm. think they're doing it yeah and i mean some assert it's associated with you know religious perspectives as well i mean <laughs> yeah. they're, they're kind of medieval in terms of their understanding of the internal narrative as well well it's just it's to me it seems to be clearly the most Obvious and important problem facing the future of our species is is learning to deal with the the language machines in our head. It's been running the show for thousands of years, and it did okay until recently. But it 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 really is in need of serious reprogramming now. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's ever. I mean, this is the really curious thing about human history is that I don't. I mean, it, you're right. It's been running the show for thousands of years. But the uh, curious things in human history seem to indicate it hasn't been doing things okay up until recently. I mean, my- well, uh, well, it's gotten us here. I mean, we're not extinct. I mean, evolution is just good enough. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's messy, and we've made a mess out of just about everything we've done. But here we are. Yes. You know, we might not have been here. The Neanderthals are not here anymore. <laughs> well, they are somewhere. Well, in a way, they are, Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is very curious. Um, Actually, you know, I have a friend who uh, really looks like a Neanderthal. He's and got, this is no doubt why you're friends. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> well, no, he's, he's a real literary nut. The guy <laughs> is a language guy. 
and uh, and a professional frisbee player for many years. But he looks like a Neanderthal. So he was sponsored. Yeah. I don't even know what are, what are the names of the frisbee companies that sponsored. Well, Whammo was one of them. Whammo. Yeah, and there was there. I don't know just how many. He went on a tour to in China. He and like three other guys in a van <laughs> toured all over China doing demos uh, of, with frisbees. Aaron, I think it's called a tour bus. Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. So he'd like juggle them and throw them up in the air and do like circular tricks. Well, or well, 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 there's a group of them, it, you know, because there are sports, various kind of sports that they play with frisbees. And so. Like like what? Froth, uh, which is frisbee golf. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yes. That's that's one of them. Yes. And there are other things. You no. Know, it's just anyway. It's, it's essentially. It's not something. I mean, you can do stuff by yourself, but it's essentially at least two people. Yeah. And so um, yeah, they just they they're really good at doing the kinds of things that amaze people. Yes. With yeah. frisbees, which is pretty With, impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you know, if you, if you put in 10,000 hours at almost anything, you're going to master it. Did they do that whole plate chuckling thing with Frisbees? I mean, there are so many possibilities. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what he did. I, don't, I, wasn't, I wasn't all that impressed with it myself. I mean, I think it's cool, and I love that he was so crazy that he was committed to it. And that was the best part, is that he didn't give a shit about, you know, any kind of normal thing. He wanted to do Frisbee, and here he had an opportunity to get paid to do Frisbee, you know. And to drive around in China in a van slash China. bus. Yeah, right, yeah. Did he autograph Frisbees? Did it go that far? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't talked to him in many, many years. The the idea of a ne- of a Neanderthal appearing man that liked literature and was a professional frisbee player. Do you have a photograph of this individual? Uh, yes. Can, can Actually, you... wait a minute. Hold on. Let me see because it's on my Facebook page. Oh wow! In my in my, uh, I, I'm pretty sure. Let me. I'll, I'll have to go and look and see because if it is, I'm not going to tell you who it is. But you should. You might be able to pick him out. Okay, so I've got Heron Stone. He's he's actually in your Facebook photo page. Yeah, in go, yeah. Hold on, let me. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be in uh, the Heron's um, photos. No, not Heron's photos. Albums. Yeah, you go into albums. Uh huh. And uh, and it's the um, profile, not profile. You know, images the, of Earth. It, no, no, no. Cover, cover photos. photos. Oh. Cover photos. Let me see if I can see this guy. Oh, and, well, most of them are psychedelic. So that's yeah, well, no, you have, down to, the, you have to scroll down. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's and, what I'm doing. Yeah, and uh, hold on here. Uh, yeah. So there's a photo of him. It, it's yeah. Well, it's not of him. It's the photo that was on the mug for my coffee mug, way down near the bottom. Uh-huh. Actually, uh, yeah, third one over between, right next to the little Chinese girl, is this thing with all these bunch of people in there. Uh huh. And. It's like 50 people or 80 I don't know how many. There's also and he's people. one of them? He's one of those people in there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. With ash on his face? With ash on his face? There's a whole bunch of people with ash on their face. I think you're not looking at the same picture I'm looking at. Let me just comment on it. Is well, by, yeah, this yeah. photo? There we go. So I've just commented on it, which Facebook will acknowledge. Oh, Tom Bobbley has commented on your photo. Okay. Um, yes. Okay. 
So I need to identify which of these is the Neanderthal. Yeah, but Neanderthal. I don't see. Yeah, but what I don't get is what you're talking about: people with ash on their face. Well, they've got white powder on their face. In this photo, I've just typed: "Is this the photo?" Have you clicked on that photo? Well, I am, and I don't see it there. Hold on, I, I saw. I got a a message at the bottom. Uh, okay, no, that's not the photo. Okay. Yeah, in fact, just go up. If your page is wide, if there are four across. Yes, I've got four across. Okay, then just go up three, and you'll and that's the one. Go up three. It's got Frank Zappa. Oh. There, there. Okay, so he's in this photo? He's in this photo. It's not a particularly clear. Oh, now it's gone clear. Okay, let me see. And, and you can expand that window to fill your page, and that's a huge, highly, uh, you know, res... A high-res photo, so if you expand it... And <laughs> so are these, are these people that are important to you? These are all the people... Or no, no, not all. What am I saying? This is some of the people who uh, are responsible for my being the way I am. Wow. That's an extreme... Let me see. I've, unfortunately, I put it to my desktop. Yeah. Well, this is not the time to search through there, but uh, but anyway, he's in there. <laughs> okay. I've opened it as a background uh, photo. He is in there. Yeah. Okay. So you're in there in a few places, actually. In several places, yeah. Yes. I don't know. There seem to be a lot of possibilities. Okay. Let's move on from this. Yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Oh, is he at the bottom right? Is he at the bottom? Uh, is he the guy with the mic at the bottom? Who's flipping people off with a kind of ghost? Oh. <laughs> no, but that's a good choice. Yeah, no. <laughs> actually, those that guy and the guy next to him are the only two people on that whole, of all those that I actually don't know. Those are two language monkeys that <laughs> that I just saw. That I thought, you know, there are some guys that really sort of exhibit. You know the epitome of language monkeyness, uh-huh. and and I thought they ought to be included. So they represent all of the language monkeys for me. <laughs> but that guy with the goatee does have distinct kind of Neanderthal appearances. Very interesting. Yeah, you're right. He 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 might be related to my friend now that, so now is, that you is, mention. Is it. he just? Is he the guy that's just under the um, Chinese structure? Uh, no. With a bush behind him. Okay. No, no, no. No, no let's just listen. Let's move Don't on. Let's, not, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> the I, kind of wears spiritual Waldo of uh, appearance. <laughs> you want to see what my Neanderthal friend looks like? Very good. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, actually, now that you mentioned, I wonder if he knows that he looks like a Neanderthal. If everybody his whole life has just, you know, avoided saying that. You know, and, and it's just one of those, you know, big elephants in the room <laughs> you know, that nobody admits is there. I wonder, or if or if he thinks this is funny as I do. <laughs> yes. Interesting stuff, Heron. So I guess our, our conclusion to Mike King is... Um, oh, that's right. We were talking about Mike's thing. Yeah. No, I don't think we even started that, did we? Not really. I mean, I gave it half an effort and then... Somehow well, got off sense. onto something, you know. What so, was the question again? Yeah, oh, he was, wants some yeah. advice on how to proceed. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I'm really quite serious. Uh, I, I assume that uh, you're listening now, and um, I would say call me on Skype you know, or text me first, and we'll arrange a time to talk. And I, I think in a few minutes I might be able to offer some suggestions and just in general, I'd say that uh, you're, you're, all, you're right th- where you should be. You're doing great. 
you're asking the right questions. You're humble enough to to see what an you know how fucked up you are. <laughs> you know, um, it doesn't get much better than that. It's it unfolds in time. The rest of your life, you're going to be continuing to grow in awareness and and um, you know and how to make up interesting stories for yourself. And you're just getting started. So enjoy the ride. Very good. Very good. So I posted a couple of bits of audio. Um, I, I'm, I suppose you may, I mean, I think you liked both of them, which may indicate that you listened to both of them. The first was the radio show with Eric Davis with the particularly bad audio. <laughs> do, do you remember listening to that? Or yeah, yeah, I've listened to them both, yeah. Yeah. What was your impression of that recording? Uh, well, technically, you know, I mean, t- the, the recording, my impression, but you mean of the content of it? Everything, all and all of Well, I, actually, I, I, actually, right now, I'm, I, uh, it's a little hard for me to distinguish the two. Uh-huh. But, but I remember in one of them, uh, the guy's mic was, apparently he was getting picked up by two mics, one right near his mouth and another one further away. Ah, uh, Larry Yaker, yes. That yeah, was and, problem. And, and it was switching back and forth between them, which, I mean, it, I, I could figure it out, but it's, it was sort of annoying. Yes. Other than that, I, I enjoyed both of them a lot. I thought they were real interesting, and I'd love to talk to both of those guys. So... The Eric Davis one, which was the first one... Was I like Eric Davis, too. Yeah, no, I, I want to spend more time... I mean, I've invited Eric Davis to come down and have lunch, and I hope to, you know, meet him and also invite him to one of these Conscious in the Cloud talks. Yeah, yeah, um, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the recording basically was supposed to be done last... I think last Saturday. There were constant technical difficulties leading into it, because it was with a, a radio station... They had to set up the call. There was all this formality. And then, of course, none of the processes worked. And I said, <laughs> we all have Skype here. Why don't we record a Skype call and then you can send it to the radio station and you'll get a better quality call. Yeah. And then, basically, I said to my wife, let's just go out because, obviously, it wasn't going to happen together. And just as I was doing up my socks and my wife was, you know, filling her water bottle, the phone rang and I was on this recording. <laughs> and the interesting thing with it is that I actually sounded considerably more coherent. And actually, at the end, I was able to make a joke about how, you know, how swiftly the topics had diverged on all this kind of stuff. And I realized that through what we do and through what I do with Model Rail Radio and my other recordings, I'm actually really quite comfortable with that format, you know, in terms of yeah. being recorded. Then we actually did the Conscious in the Cloud talk at Netflix. And that was quite an interesting experience. How many people were there in that audience? About 55. Oh, good. There was a That's sufficient a good number. Yeah. There was a sufficient number that I actually had to do, because um, KMO and Larry were both just on time, but still because we had to get the people in early, you know, relatively late in the thing, I actually sat up front and chatted with the people as they came in. Yeah. Which I actually, I stopped at a point because I had to go and, get yeah, KMO to, and things like yeah. that. I had stuff to do. But yeah. I think in future I will arrange it so that is actually part of the shtick. Ah, yeah, because, right. Yeah, get someone else to handle the other work. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> right, in yeah. terms of a Walmart, yeah. it introduced... Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the 
Um, yeah, they could have an introduction line. Yes. No, no, I mean, I think... No, the, <laughs> like the Queen. The, <laughs> no, the format of, like, having a warm-up act, literally to get the audience primed, I think was very yeah. positive. Yeah, um, And I think that's something that I'm going to continue, because it was an overwhelming success. Yeah, that's great. When it started, however, I realised, because we had two lapel mics and two hand mics, I had one of the hand mics... And I was going to use the other hand mic to get audience questions, and I had someone queued up to do that. One of the handheld mics failed. In fact, my handheld mic failed within the first 10 minutes of the recording. So I was literally Phil Donahue through the remaining proceedings. The Netflix auditorium is like, um, it's like literally an amphitheater, like a Roman amphitheater. And I was running up and down the steps, taking questions and you know, answering questions and basically doing the Phil Donahue thing. And the other two were able to actually have a broad conversation. And a few people afterwards commented to me that this was disappointing because they wanted to hear more from me in the conversation. And I reported back the issue with the mic and hopefully that will be solved in the next recording. My hope is that the next recording will probably be maybe Bruce Damon, maybe someone else and Eric Davis and, and myself. And that will probably be in uh, October, November time frame, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important to get the audience involved yeah. you know, with, uh, early on, actually. The thing that struck me about it was, aside from the overwhelmingly positive feedback, was I really... It's very different being in front of people physically <laughs> giving this kind of talk. Yeah, And it's something, because it was videoed as well, I had the benefit of watching the video footage following, and both Larry and um, KMO, well, I mean, they weren't running around for a start, I was running around, so that kind of added a bit to it. But when I had to think about something difficult, it was particularly hard to look into the audience and do that. So I found at points that I was looking down, and I've realised what I need to do is actually focus on an empty seat in the audience. Or so just to, have, there's, a, there's a technique called soft eyes. You just make everything out of focus. Yeah. It's, the, it's real easy. Yeah, I think the problem with that is my eyes are pretty soft as they are, and I think they'll be relatively <laughs> obvious. And I don't want to, I mean, my view is that if I just pinpoint empty yeah, seats. Well, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But the thing that struck me about it was um, Larry Yeager himself has not actually corresponded back directly with me. He's corresponded with other folk. And my wife, who was in the audience taking photographs, made the point that there was some audience commentary, plus she could tell, and I've seen this back in the video. In fact, this was actually my experience, that Larry himself was quite uncomfortable when we started talking critically about, you know, self-reflection and consciousness. Mm. Like, he, you could tell his look, his gaze back to me was, <laughs> why are you having this argument with me? Yeah. And basically, he hasn't corresponded with me since. I mean, we led into this with some discussion associated yeah. with... And Larry, we had a, a large meal following. In fact, I bought everyone dinner um, following. And we had a group of maybe 14 people, including KMO um, and Olga, his partner, and a wide variety of folk, very few of whom I'd met. Uh, so, yeah, we had a party that came oh, over great. to a local Chinese restaurant yeah. following, and I'm going to ah, continue right. to do that. Yeah. Oh, hell yes. Um, because that was just very positive. In fact, the whole thing was really quite overwhelming in terms of the sense that, and we've had you know, you, feedback you, following. You might be in a position. Have you heard me talk about Kodo? Um, tell me about Kodo. That organ. It, it started up out of the Est Center oh, in yes. Santa Monica. Yeah. Okay, but, but what it ended up 
as is this is roundtable. Every two weeks, people would meet. Uh, well, the, because we got our space from the Est Center, mm-hmm. so they had this big room, and we'd set up this these tables in a big circle, and like a hundred people would show up. At, mm-hmm. at, you know, and everybody would just stand up one at a time and go around the circle and say who they are, what they're doing here, what they have to offer the world, what they need from the world. They had like one minute to speak. Mm-hmm. And at one minute and 10 seconds, people started, you know, pushing them down. And, and anyway, and then, and then and when it was all done, we'd, uh, everybody, and everybody would take them notes. And mm-hmm. then when it was done, we'd put the tables up and we met at this restaurant down the street. Mm-hmm. And then every, in the restaurant, everybody, you know, who would listen to all this stuff is hooking up with all these other people. Mm. Some amazing projects in Southern California emerged out of Kodo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the chief of police, or not the chief, but the the one of the district chiefs of police was a regular member. There were gang members yeah. who come in. That, you know, I mean, it was amazing the shit that came out of that. And who knows? I was thinking Netflix. You got this big auditorium. You got or you got a space. You know, you get people involved. Maybe not the same thing, but yeah. I uh, mean, the, the feedback that I received afterwards was yes, exactly that was the case. That basically, and I mean, subtly also. From my own perspective, the idea that collaborative effort can come out of this is very positive. Yeah, yeah the people who are interested in this should know who the others that are interested in this the are. The main thing is that, that I want to put in front of people doers. Like, my, and this is the difficulty with putting talkers as well as doers up there. But I want to basically put... Well, and, talking is doing. Well, to a certain extent. But well, not <laughs> to just a certain extent. It's another kind of doing, and it can change the world. Yes, but uh, I mean, I, it's not I, the same thing as inventing something physical, like my keyboard or something. That's well, a different thing. But I mean, look. So yeah, it's going to be interesting going forward with this as a thing, because I think also the hour and a half format, and I was very mindful to keep it to the hour and a half. Yeah, if for no other reason, because we had a restaurant booking soon following, <laughs> right? And I wanted to kind of move people through, but um, no, it was really quite. Quite a positive expression of people who are clearly interested in these kind of things. And I think, actually, we could be considerably more radical in terms of the topics and the Do you, the th- do you think those people, uh, that most of those are ma- any or many or most of those people knew the other people that were there and knew that they were interested in these things? Or are they all sort of looking around being so surprised? There were, groups, there were groups of threes and fours that came in. Okay. Um, but most of the folks who came in were individuals. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting phenomena associated with completely almost random selection. I mean, there were about six people who were from Netflix. Actually, that's not true. There were about four Only people six? From Only four? Yeah. And the rest of them came off the meetup yep. stuff. Well, actually, no. There were... <sighs> there were probably half a dozen C-Realm, which is KMO's primary podcast there were about eight biota people there but the rest were through meetup okay and well, so the meetup was quite effective then yes although um the people were relatively faceless i think basically after we do a few of these i did go back through the meetup page afterwards mm-hmm. um i was particularly surprised by the number of women that attended i mean that was something that i thought going into this was it was Historically, anyway, these kind of artificial life sure, a bunch of guys, exactly. But um, it was almost fifty-fifty. Hmm. 
And uh, they were probably looking for a husband. <laughs> uh, only you could make that joke. Only you could make that joke. As a married man, those words could not even leave my lips. But anyway, no, it was really very striking. And I think the thing that I took away from it was I've always had a view that what we do here would never attract an audience. And to actually see an audience, and in large part, the audience questions were a part of that because the audience actually got very energized around that point. They, hands went up. I mean, I surveyed as many as possible, but almost everyone in the audience had a question. Oh, that's great. And you didn't have time for that. See, that's unforgivable. Well, I think what happened is that there were a series of questions asked that were like other questions. Yeah, that's minimized. I minimized my interactive thing. So there were three or four questions that just... KMO and Larry answered. Yeah, my strategy for giving – I used to do a little bit of public speaking, but, but and my whole strategy was go in and be really provocative for like 15 minutes and turn it into an actual discussion. Yeah. You know, uh, and just give them a, a, some stuff to think about, <laughs> you know, and that pushes a few buttons and gets them riled up or thinking or something and then, and then get it into a discussion. Hmm. So I'm going to workshop this idea here because I've only workshopped this quietly up until now, but I wanted to put this out to you and the Stone Ape listenership. And that is that when I was on um, the Eric Davis recording, I put forward the idea of the identity shim, literally the software that is between you and Facebook or you and Google or you and one of these other online entities that um, both collects but also distributes or um, almost viscerates your information so that the information gathering that these sites would previously do is no longer economically applicable. And there are algorithmic ways, relatively simple algorithmic ways to do this. (laughs) But it then gives you the ability to actually store your information and not make it something that is... but still have a similar or almost identical user experience using these interfaces. So I have spoken about this, and I've actually, I mean, when we first started talking again, I mentioned to you that I'd written five chapters of a book. And my thought was that I would complete about a 12-chapter book. But what made me realize talking to Eric Davis is it's probably actually far better, and because a majority of this software, if not all of it, will be open source, it's far better actually to create the software. (laughs) So over over the past week... I've really, week and a half, I've been doing a technical evaluation associated with firstly forming this entity and then creating the software uh, described. And the software described, really, I can do almost all of it with the software that exists in Noble 8. And, and what is this? Uh, this is a... This is an idea. So, for example, it's, I, it's easiest just... to describe on a desktop computer. It would be like a Safari plugin or a... Uh, uh, um, but what does it do? I mean, I'm thinking this is, is this is a, a sort of personal information assistant. Or yeah, something? it's it's like yeah. an agent, but it's an agent yeah. that basically viscerates your responses to these various entities, so they no longer hold yeah. individual value associated with. Um, and of course, I don't mention NSA or government or anything like that, but obviously that is part of it as well. Yeah, yeah. So I created a small manifesto, and I'm moving the software in that direction in the, in the near future. It's interesting actually, because it's going to cause 
some interesting changes mm-hmm. to Noble Ape fundamentally in terms of the way the software is, I guess, divided for want of a better term. But also it fits into an interesting time frame because Bob Mottram, thankfully, now has full-time work. So after, I guess, three years' worth of Noble Ape contribution, he emailed me uh, saying he was starting work on Monday. Um, it's something associated with Linux and something that has a lot of travel involved. And I congratulated him and I said, you know, if you get any travel to this part of the world, uh, please do look me up. But I guess that was an indication that he will have vastly less time to work on Noble Ape going forward. Well, that doesn't sound like a good deal at all. Well, no. I mean, my view is, we've talked about this a little bit associated with contributors to Noble Ape. My view is that actually he probably will come back to Noble Ape and work on it as a kind of quality time thing yeah and well, you know I'm, I'm pleased for the guy you know yeah if he's happy with that I, yeah what can you say yeah, yeah. so yeah. these are interesting changes i've registered a domain name which i'm not completely comfortable with associated with this project and there's another domain name that i'll probably have to fork out some serious well not serious money but at least some money for if i want to move this into an entity and, you know, there are various things that I'm doing, various iterations on that level. But in the short term, it's going to mean some relatively fundamental changes in Noble Ape source code, some additional stuff going in there, and also, I think, some crispening of what's in there currently. Um, but my anticipation is that this... It's interesting, actually, because I've been so frustrated with writing. I've been so frustrated with the academic writing and the notion of actually putting this thing into a book seems silly when I could put it into some software that people could actually use. And <laughs> yeah. I think that probably moves the idea forward a, a lot further. So we And some text to support it. Yes. So we had, uh, we had some correspondence, and I want to attribute this, I think, to Peter Stimple, associated with... Uh, let me read this out. The special, which was the recording with Eric Davis, was quite a good listen. It struck me that KMO's critique of the singularity is a segment for Heron to take a listen to. It's a point Tom has made on the show, but articulated in down-to-earth terms by KMO. Um, And this, I guess, was the idea of the uh, disaster... What did he use the term? Disaster porn or disaster fetishism? That (laughs) the, you know, the the rapid or, um, I don't know, the, the destruction of the current standing... Yeah. ...in something is something a lot of people are receptive to. Um, And I guess Peter Stimple's view here is that that is a view that you ultimately talk about in your... To me, yeah, the metaphor that I use to make sense out of everything is metamorphosis, that Earth is like a system undergoing metamorphosis from one state into the next, and that fits perfectly with the whole current theory of evolution punctuated equilibrium which says that there are long periods of stasis uh, punctuated by periods of rapid change and transformation and then it reaches a new level of stasis and stays there for millions of years and that's we're right at the end i think of of one of those punctuations it began well there's a lot of early you can go back a long way but certainly 10,000 years ago there were clear signs that something was under underway and I think we're close to the end of that. 
just exactly how that transformation goes. I mean, metamorphosis, a butterfly turning into a caterpillar, is, is just an analogy. It's a way to help think about it. But this is not a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. This is Earth going from one phase to its next phase of punctuated equilibrium. So that's, I don't know. Is that the same thing? <laughs> I think the... And again, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying I haven't found any better model that makes sense out of what I see going on. Peter Stimble goes on to say, Also struck me that Tom's notion of an agent avatar as something to be controlled, monetized, is not really any different than Lanier's thesis, even if he is annoyed by Lanier. He goes on to say, Curious to one day hear how Lanier ruined VR. So I guess my response to that is that um, Lenin's thesis, as, as Rushkov's thesis associated with money, as a number of these kind of futurist commentators do, do not give a kind of A, B, C, D. They give an A, Z kind of narrative. They don't give the stepping stones in between. They don't explain what interactions need to occur. And I'm still relatively i mean it's still curious to me if you have an agent that represents you that then you know viscerates your information and stores your information as something that you can then later monetize that interaction in and of itself produces things which are not yet explained what typically happens i mean i'm still stuck on monetize okay why so, this thing what does that have to do with this thing That's so what the I, notion yeah. is that if these entities like facebook for example are making money with your personal details in order to get advertising oh, okay. that if you remove the ability but you still want to have facebook access then in lanier's thesis this is something that you can then monetize but it doesn't actually he doesn't actually <laughs> explain how that occurs uh, okay. I just don't get. I, I guess my my part of my assumption is that uh, we're not that the whole idea of monetizing is part of the caterpillar, and I have no interest in that. I mean, I mean, it makes a difference. You know, you have to you do have to pay your rent and all that shit, but that's not a factor in designing a new planet. I think the <laughs> the notion of Lenny's monetization is really associated with you controlling your information, and I think. My sense, and certainly, I mean, I, I guess I was goaded in some regard into this description through, you know, the kind of abstract nature of the discussion with Eric Davis. But my view is that if you control your information, and here, I'm not really, I don't necessarily want to talk too deeply about the means of control that I... But no, actually, adopted. all you can do is decide the level of of transparency. Yes. You know, I mean, you're either you could seal yourself off from the world. You could get off the internet and write letters and deliver hand deliver them to people. Mm. You know, you know it, or if you want to play this game, you have to decide on, you know, just what level of of this you need to deal with for what you're trying to do. It always struck me that if Bin Laden had written letters rather than used hand-delivered couriers, it would have been considerably harder for him to be tracked down. In fact, actually, there's an element of that in Field of Chaos because the, one yeah. of the protagonists in Field of Chaos uses the postal system as a means of circumventing electronic <laughs> yeah, 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 security. You yeah. know, and yeah. I think actually, yeah, it is really very interesting the number of ways that you can actually do this thing. <laughs> that's interesting, but see, that's really clumsy, though. That's just really not a good substitute. It it works, but. You know, it's slow. So Peter Stimple's other question was, curious to 
uh, one day hear how Lanier ruined VR. So I'm going to give this in short narrative form. When I was 19, I met a VR evangelist by the name of Peter Wojciechowski, who had just finished a master's degree. Through that experience, he said, what you need to do is bring all your technologies together and develop a VR project, which is ultimately what Noble Ape was, as described at the time. Lanier was already the talking head associated with VR, but a lot of his vision and his visionary futurist narrative was considerably behind the stuff that I had imagined, and I was talking about what I called infinite virtuality at the time, which was the ability literally to zoom from planet down to grain of sand, which you could do mathematically with some of the stuff that I'd championed. I just thought Lanier's vision associated with virtual reality was so basic and so far removed from the like broader visionary elements that he was ultimately doing the field a disservice when he presented his kind of dreadlocked head to be the talking head associated with virtual reality. He was about two decades behind and really had almost like a reactionary description associated with the technology. And I think what happened was actually the community realised that if they had representatives like him, it was probably better that they moved into their own individual directions. He's represented actually by... There was a fellow who uh, worked with the Beatles. I think his name was Electronic Alex. Does that name sound familiar to you, Heron? Nope. He worked on Abbey Road with the Beatles. He was actually, I think, part of Phil Spector's posse. And um, I think his name was Electronic Alex. And he worked with them to create, you know, literally walls of speakers and microphones and resistors and things. And he'd solder for days on end and create these elaborate constructions that they had to, you know, immerse themselves with. And he was really the visionary that Lanier and others kind of continued on from. The guy who basically had done next to nothing yet had generated this elaborate following. Um, And I was interviewed in 1996 or 97, I think, by an Indonesian, like, technology magazine. And I used Electronic Alex as an example. I'm assuming that's what the guy's name was. It was probably something else. Um, As uh, similar to the likes of Lanier in terms of how they operated. Um, And truth be told, Lanier and I share a mutual friend, and I know quite a bit about Lenny's, you know, long-term personal life and all this other kinds of stuff. And I acknowledge him as a human without question, but I think the kinds of stuff that he talks about, it'd be far more interesting to actually talk to people that were developing the software or had some kind of integrative element with the technology. And I really, I guess this is my same critique associated with, you know, Coswell et al., that actually there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, but if these people are removed from the stuff that's being done currently... It's kind of like a disconnected conversation. I think VR is a technology probably... I mean, a lot of the stuff that you see currently is kind of VR throwback and look at Second Life and all this stuff, Avatar representations. But yeah, and that was my frustration with Lanier then, and now I'm just generally jaded associated with this narrative, unfortunately. Paul Brian Hancock, a listener who I've actually met. Mm. Paul Brian Hancock is also a listener to Model Rail Radio, but I think he was a Stone Eight listener first and foremost. I'm not sure which way it went. He was... Um, you know, I'm still trying to get my head around the idea of a Stone Eight listener. <laughs> well, I love you guys, man. Thank you for being here. <laughs> I, my view is that you walk into any Starbucks 
<laughs> you find the dodgy guy off in the corner with his head down. He's probably the Stone Age listener. But anyway, moving on from it. So, Paul Brian Hancock, I've met. He actually attended the barbecue of model rail radio listeners in South Australia. Although he's from South Australia, he was born in Adelaide, he lives in Hong Kong most of the time. Although now he seems to be doing like a world tour currently. I'm not sure if he'll end up back in Hong Kong or if he's going to end up in another place. So, Paul Brian Hancock, please let us know. Anyway, he asks. And I think this is a very interesting question because we've touched on this occasionally, but we've never actually explored this as a solid topic. I'd be interested in books you'd recommend. To be more specific, books that have expanded your thinking and influenced your view on life. Well, my website has my bibliography, uh, several hundred books, uh, and ones with red stars and some that have even two red stars. Uh, There have been a number of books. Alan Watts. Number one, he woke me up when I was 21 years old. The person that emerged after reading my first Alan Watts book was uh, was a new being in the universe. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and you also attribute, is there a particular Kurzweil book or is it all Kurzweil books in general? No, no, again, um, the, the, the Kurzweil, again, the books aren't, you know, it's always a combination of the uh, the data that's being taken in and the preparation for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the ability to do something or the luck to be able to do with them. The ideas that I got from from uh, Kurzweil and why I love him so much is because he changed my time frame on on what's happening. Mm-hmm. Until him, I was uh, I really hadn't thought about. Uh, the near future. I mean, I, I was well-read in science fiction and, and all that stuff, you know, and I knew someday, yeah, the world's going to be real different. But it was Kurzweil who got me to realize that, no, it's happening now. We better start paying attention. And that was, that was a major shift in my, um, my thinking about the world. So, like I said, it's more a personal thing. Uh, I like Kurzweil's stuff. He's sort of boring, I think. <laughs> but but uh, the ideas that he's uh, throwing around, I think, are certainly interesting stories. So, on my side, um, some philosophy books. Uh, I think Plato's Republic. I think probably Kant's Critique of Pure Reason. I think also um, Margaret A. Bowden's Philosophy of Artificial Life, which was a pretty interesting formative book. I think those three are pretty good. I would probably say Plato's Republic out of all of them because he is really creating an artificial life simulation in that book, or at least a societal (laughs) simulation. And it is really interesting because it was written by a dude a really long time ago and still is remarkably applicable, although scholastics have some hand in that as well. Um, So, other books that I've read, a lot of the books that I've read have been associated with either short histories, which I read a lot of, or um, like uh, world descriptive fantasy books. I'm really fascinated by people that can construct this historically, I guess, in my early teens, was actual fantasy writing fantasy and science fiction but in my later life has been um a class of books which i don't think really exist anymore which are 
almost kind of like psychedelic pictorial histories of various strange environments. And this is a genre which is relatively small, but Bruce Damer and I actually share an interest in the genre, which is always fun because I can send him books and things like that when he's traveling. Um, but that has always really captivated me, the notion that the human mind can, can, in fact, which is what Plato's doing in the Republic as well, create a reality which is perfectly coherent but also completely alien. And I think that is something that has really captivated me, and there are a number of books within this um, kind of genre. Uh, in addition, I'm just thinking, I have a lot of... I mean, a lot of my reading is associated with... Uh, military and intellectual history. So I had a book which I sadly gave away, um, which was a, a series of, I think, about 20 letters between the early like founders of quantum mechanics. And it was all about um, Kant. It was all about this kind of 17th and 18th century continental philosophy mapping onto you know, subatomic particles. I mean, it was really very, very curious that that changed... A lot of my thinking at the time. Um, certain books, like, I mean, Stephen Levy's Artificial Life. I've got various other, like, accounts of, like, you know, time spent with, with monkeys and apes and things like that that are in my um, The Zoo That Never Was. I mean, there are a variety of books in that genre. In terms of technology, um, I have a book of entrepreneurs from 1982, which is just untouchable in terms of actually describing what it was like in in this part of the world in 1982, which is really fascinating. There's also a book called Fire in the Valley, which I think is probably one of the better accounts of, you know, computer history. Um, what else in terms of books that have really inspired me? It's very interesting, actually, going through this process. I've spent, you know, a few days actually thinking about the books that I'd recommend through this. A lot of the... The reason I have, probably haven't used terms associated with the Fantasy Worlds books is that they're actually really hard to come by. So uh, two of the books that I own duplicates for were published in the UK in hardcover in the 80s, and you'll spend probably about 200 to $300 for these books now. Um, they are called The Legion of the Damned, I think, which is an account of... Um, like a plague tribe, which goes through just amazing detail associated with the social structures and the, you know, the strange eccentric professions and the kind of protective knights that, you know, create this kind of plague, I don't know, what just, you know, they just take up, you know, space and permeate disease and things like this. I mean, there's amazing... And these books typically have between a third to half illustrations as well, and this is the thing that... Bruce Damer has some books where the, where the writing is actually in a foreign script, which is actually really quite curious. Like, the book is written in the writing, the language of the, you know, the describing entity. Um, I, don't, I haven't gotten that extreme in my interests in this light. But, yeah, it really is a very interesting genre um, and something that, you know, only a... I don't know. I don't even know if it exists as a proper genre name. What else do I would I recommend? I've a few computer books that I think there's a book called um, I think Real Time Tactics and Strategy, which explores again how you create a coherent simulated reality 
and then play games within this environment. There's Create Your Own Computer Fantasy Games, which is a book that I start most of my talks on Noble 8 talking about this book, which I own, which I never owned, actually. I only owned it recently. It was a friend of mine's book um, that describes how you actually create in a computer a simulated ecosystem that you then interact with. Um, although, again, a fantasy ecosystem, but, you know, very much early artificial life. Heron, you, any more books that you can think of on your end? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I've been... I can just get more specific. Uh, when I say Alan Watts, I would recommend the book, which is subtitled on the taboo against knowing who you are, and a book called Psychotherapy East and West, in which he says that Buddhism is wrongly categorized as a religion. That you know, yeah, they wear funny hats and have ceremonies and stuff, but it's actually close closer to a form of psychotherapy than it is uh, a religion. So that's, uh, those two books I found uh, well, changed my opinion, my story somewhat. And, but, uh, and after that, it was discovering uh, Alfred Korzybski, his book Science and Sanity, which I usually don't recommend to people because uh, it's a long, difficult uh, slosh <laughs> you know for some people I, I I can get through that kind of stuff it works for me a lot of people I think are going to be stopped by it fortunately well if, if you if you're up for that kind of a read I would recommend Science and Sanity I've never met a person in my life who has actually read the book who doesn't say yes it's one of the ten most important documents in the history of the universe you know, whether it's, you know, which one, where it is, number 10 is irrelevant. It's up there. Okay. Uh, and then the other one is a book by a guy named J. Samuel Bois, B-O-I-S, <laughs> called The Art of Awareness. Bois was a student of Korzybski and essentially did a rewrite of Science and Sanity for Mere Mortals. And it's a hell of a read. You can get it for about five or six bucks used on Amazon. Be sure you get the fourth edition. Uh, there, there are a number of changes that have been made uh, to its organization, although third, third edition is okay, too. I think th- I'm considering using this book as a text, actually, if I, for any kind of extended program I might do. Uh, it's all in this book, all the, all the technical stuff. And a book I've recommended previously, which should also be in the top ten of world-changing um, or, or, or books that would change the world, is The Rationale of the Dirty Joke, which takes <laughs> dirty humour, dirty, dirty humour, as, as one reviewer pointed out, and actually puts it in a historical context, which I think is absolutely fascinating. It is a book that I find very... I don't think you could read from cover to cover. It's a book that you dive into at various detections and read a few pages and then allow for, you know, a week or two of just... It's like ping-pong of the mind, basically. It just... You consume it, you laugh, you think, you think, you think. And um, hard to describe, aside from the fact that it, it makes... It really changes your view associated with modernity and contemporary notions because what it shows is that humans have been fundamentally tickled by particularly perverse humour for far longer than you would think. 
Well, that would say that it's not really perverse. What's perverse is our thinking that it's perverse. <laughs> well, it's perfectly natural. What's yes. perverse is is the uh, the laws against it, against something as natural as lust, <laughs> you know, and shitting and pissing and. But it's all it's all fundamentally irony. I mean, I think that's the <laughs> that's the thing that strikes me about this genre of humor. Funnily enough, my my father, who's a sociologist, had a course that he taught associated with humor, and he had never heard of the rationale of the dirty joke. It was a book that I brought to him through hearing an interview with one of the uh, students of the fellow who wrote the book. And my father had um, been teaching this course for about 10 years. And this book really fundamentally changed his, because... Ah, cool, yeah. Academic humour, and this, the fellow who wrote it, I, I'm sorry I don't know his name, I think it's Glasnord, perhaps. <laughs> he was like a, a, a folklorist. Yeah. He was never academically affiliated. He worked at UC San Diego, I think, for a period of time. But basically, he just travelled, and he had the ability to tell long folk stories for... Um, people would sit with him for more than six hours and just listen to his stories. And he sounds like an amazing character. I mean, he sounds like basically the kind well, of human a, that, you know... Yeah, a nut. <laughs> You know, a guy with OCD. Well, yeah. It's all of us, man. Anyone who's got a passion and obsession in life to do something, you know, not everybody is up for that. I think that's probably the shared... I mean, when I look at books that have changed my perspective, it's usually taken something that I've had or thought about and made it okay, fundamentally made it ah. something that was normative and... Something that you know, oh, that's fascinating. My, yeah, because that's oh, interesting. Wow. See, because my the books the hinges on my life didn't weren't for that reason at all. Basically, they destroyed my old point of view. Yeah. And and I was left with nothing, <laughs> and had to start over again. Yeah. And that's how, and both in Watts and Korzybski both did that to me. Like I say, Kurzweil wasn't quite as dramatic. Eh, the third time, anyway, is never as dramatic, but it just changed the time frame for me. All of a sudden, I realized that my focus on what I need to be doing is it needs to be more time focused because this is happening right now. We, we're going to influence this. So, so it's important now. And that's, that, like I said, for me, that was earth shaking. So one of the questions that came through the Conscious in the Cloud talk was associated with suppose you've gotten it all wrong. And in <laughs> similar time frame, yeah. actually, I mean, soon after when I posted the audio, KMO posted, I think, on my Facebook page a long response that someone had written on the Google Plus page of the, the C-Realm uh, that, that basically made the same problematic, uh, that had the same kind of problematic view which is, I think, that people, either they don't believe you or they don't understand what the term emergence means. The whole notion that something yeah. cannot be explicitly programmed, that something actually comes through a series of effects which aren't explicitly there yeah, originally, yeah, is right, not yeah. something that I think people 
can well, understand then they're brain damaged. Listen, they're brain damaged language monkeys. Uh, yeah, that's you the, can't reason with them. Well, There's no point in doing that. But the, the whole notion of breakthrough. I mean, this is this is exactly what you talk about associated with Watts is that you had yeah. a breakthrough. You were yeah. in this condition initially, and then there was something. No, I, that I, Watts I wouldn't did. even call it a breakthrough. I, I would say it was a collapse. Exactly. It was a collapse of everything I thought I knew. I realized was just some fucking story I'd been sold. I think the interesting phenomena is the idea that it, I mean the thing the thing that strikes me particularly associated with doing this in squish, which is really I guess I mean I'm I don't know what I was thinking prior to doing Conscious in the Cloud, but now having had that experience, I now understand that it's something that's really very different than recording podcasts. Oh yeah, it's well, it's a whole different universe. It's awesome. It's powerful. There's all sorts of interesting things that can go on in that space. Yeah. But it, but uh, you need really well. There are many ways to approach it. It helps if you have some control over the situation. But I don't think you can have control over the situation. I don't think. That's well, you can have con- yes, you can have a lot of control over the situation, not the content. People are going that, but that's that's what you want. You want to get everybody involved. But the way the interactions take place are under your control. You got the mics. Yes. Yes. I guess I need to be able to behave as myself in those kind of environments. I mean, what I found was that my facilitary role there um, ultimately inhibited some of the interactive things. Yeah. And also, I think, I mean, to, to, you know, my I would probably found it easier to rap with someone other than Larry Yeager. Well, you know, it's tough well. to, be, uh, to, to be a participant and the moderator. Yes. That's a bad position to be in. It is. It is. Yeah, it, you need a separate moderator. But, I mean, that's ultimately what I do with Model Rail Radio. And funnily enough, I'm actually going to be doing a squish Model Rail Radio thing in, what, roughly a month's time up in San Francisco. They've booked me to go to the local uh, National Model Railroad Association, you know, sectional get-together Oh. And I've got a, a presentation that I'm doing in parallel with another presentation, which means I probably won't be particularly well attended. But you never know. Oh, it'll be an opportunity to meet some people, you yeah. know? No, yeah. very much so. And I think the yeah. the nature of these kind of formats is, um, you know, very interesting. I mean, my plan is to introduce the podcasting idea and then do a couple of spot interviews with people in the crowd just to introduce them to how this thing plays out and how, you know, I mean, my aim is actually, Oh yeah. You could do a whole show on, on that. Yeah, I've got an hour. Yeah, I can't right, really, yeah. But I mean, I can, I can do, well, you don't know yet, you know, but I mean, you could end up with all sorts of really interesting talking to people and just recording them. Exactly. You know? But I mean, yeah. I think, I think the, what I'm trying to convey to people is actually the ease at which one can do this. It, 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 Let me ask you another question. I mean, the te- that's not a technical issue. Basically with your iPhone, you can get a good enough recording that you oh, can podcast that. Yeah, no. I mean, the, the funny yeah, thing yeah. actually was that, um, yeah, very easily. And I think yeah. the thing that struck me. <laughs> God, through, what a great world. That's awesome. In fact, I've That's actually done amazing. this. I've used my iPhone. I've used my iPhone previously to do this quite well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did it in South Australia, actually, when I was, um, you know, when I was doing this stuff with. Uh, it's a miracle, man. I think we could never have got a planetary organization going without this kind of technology. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I mean, it, it's not. It was not possible to have a global organization yes. until now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's amazing. And the software, and what you're talking about, really, is is a part of the software that's going to run the planet. 
You know, I mean, something we could, you know, I I don't know what the hell it looks like, but I mean, really, and there need to be person, again, I see personal agents that a child grows up with, you know, that, that, that grow up with them and become this, this character, (laughs) you know, in their life, uh, who is the repository of all the, this data that it's collected, you know. Yes. And it's interesting, it's interesting actually, because you could, within, Within a wide variety of fields, you could have the potential to do, you know, interesting diagnosis, interesting communication. I mean, there are a wide variety of ways this information could be used independently. I think it's beyond anything we can really even imagine. Yes. I, I, don't, I think we're really talking about a, a new kind of, of world that, where there are emergent properties. Yes. And we can't predict what they are. Yes. When we last spoke... I offered some description associated with the problems that I was facing with my comic book artist. Yeah. And what I have done is actually made a paper print of the comic book so far to send to her, and I have a copy here as well, to basically illustrate some of the stylistic points. I think we can probably work through it. My thought is that the because the novella is really two separate, or the novel is really two separate novellas, that what I will do is finish the Elan's novella in comic book form and then put that on kickstarter i think that's a project in and of itself and then see what happens with that and you've already how how far completed is that it's about halfway through okay so that's that's doable in the near future and i think well yeah and once you make a decision and focus on that 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 changes everything well to a certain extent i mean i think what the print should do to her and it's certainly doing to me is identifying what sections need to be redone and the sections which are actually okay. And I'd certainly and be what percentage of them are okay? Oh, uh, about 60 to 70%. So it's no, not that's not so redo. bad. Hell no, that's and not And I think the, the format, unfortunately, lends itself to a US letter size book, which is slightly yeah. larger than I was originally anticipating. I'm going to try a slightly shrunken version. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it is actually larger than a regular comic book. Yeah, that's um, well. Yeah, those are issues, aren't they? The size so, of the print and the, yeah, the yeah, size all of the, print, the yeah, yeah. The size of the print is good at the U.S. level. Ah, well, see, now you've learned a fundamental law here that you probably didn't know about when you started. I kind of sensed it when I started. Yeah, but now you know it exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, congratulations, man. You just learned a really important lesson. Yeah, I think the <laughs> the phenomenon that I'm finding through this is. It's clear in the sections. So what she's done over the past two weeks, I gave her, I mean, I gave these to her originally, but I gave them to her now with literally freeze frame points associated with historical videos and photographs. But I think the videos are more important. Wait, wait a minute, and you're and you're you think the fact that it's eight, you're talking about eight and a half by eleven letter size, just standard paper. You're saying that's the size this thing has to go at, and you think that's not a good idea. Um, it works for the drawings. If she scrubs up some of them, I mean, some of them are really beautifully detailed, and you do you can, that size is actually exactly the right format. Yeah, but you were it's saying really, it's a lot larger than the standard or something. It's a lot larger what? than standard comic book. But, but is I'm, that a problem? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think if I it's, think it's the a appropriate thing in size, and it it's needs a, the art needs yeah. to fit the size. Yeah. It's a thing in and of itself. It's removed from yeah. everything that has gone on yeah, prior. That's nice. Well, yeah. yeah, 
it's and what it's, it is. It's very immersive, and it's easy to turn. I mean, and it's, it's easy to copy it on the yeah. copying machine. It works, so <laughs> that that makes it even better. Yes, yes. So yeah, I think um, it's certainly starting to take a form, and it's certainly considerably more real. I think in this format. Yeah, and I hope it really makes her very receptive to the fact that she's actually. Does producing. it have a cliffhanger end? Uh, yes, it does. Oh, good. Okay. Well, that's all you need. It has. <laughs> the funny thing is, I mean, is the the next one is ultimately the prequel to it, which is the interesting passing that you are introducing characters, and then the next one is actually what went on prior to the characters arriving in Elands, fundamentally, which is an interesting thing in and of itself. Um, I don't know how that's actually going to work out, but I think just in terms of the fact that she's gravitated to this as the initial work and this is the way it is. But I think in terms of the characters and in terms of the development and in terms of some of the curious aspects, it really works very well. And the, yeah, the ending is, um, you know, it, it certainly has the arc and the ending accordingly. Well, um, I'm looking forward to the ending of Breaking Bad in a few weeks. Oh, that's, okay. I didn't realize you were... I mean, you're, you're, you're visually in terms of your at least avatar persona. I know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had that pointed out to me a couple times now. Yes. <laughs> You're right. I see it, too. Yeah. yeah absolutely. It's funny because the, the fellow's <laughs> previous endeavor, and I think my brother is uh, an aficionado of this. I watched the first few episodes until I got to Burning Man, was um, what was the show Malcolm in the Middle, which is like the downtrodden father in that, which is his character prior to Breaking Bad. Although he did have a few movie roles. I've seen time. him in movies, mostly. Yes. That's all, I've never, but I haven't had a TV in so long, yeah. so I don't know. But, but yeah, I've seen him in movies. Yeah. So my brother, and he always just struck me as a sort of nondescript exactly, guy in the exactly. scene, yeah. which is, of course, exactly what he was supposed to be. He's yeah. real good. At, he's a good actor. <laughs> so I may have mentioned this to you previously, but my brother, who worked at the Australian equivalent of the IRS for a number of years, decided to start working part-time so he could create his own startup. And instead of creating a startup, he's actually become a theatre actor. <laughs> Which is quite curious, because it's something that I guess he could always have done. Yeah, yeah, cool. So I don't know what becomes of it. He used to, he used to pay models for photo shoots, and he actually paid actors for a couple of short films that he got like local accolades for. Oh, okay. So he's he's some sort of weirdo artistic kind of guy. He's done a few music videos and his music videos are his best work. Yeah. Because his music videos have typically used really high resolution digital cameras and have a series of kind of swinging shots through, you know, the yeah. place where I grew up has changed fundamentally since I left. It's become a kind of futuristic city whereas when I was there it was just basically a slum town. <laughs> and it's interesting, actually, in terms of the just raw injection of capital into Australia in the past 20 years, the majority of the time I haven't been there, because it's basically completely changed both the university I attended, but also the, the city I lived in, yeah. to be almost unrecognisable. So with yeah, this facade... Yeah, and, that, and that's in, what, 20 years? 20 years, yeah. yeah. Within this facade, he does kind <laughs> of... He literally gets cherry pickers and does high-sweeping 
digital, like high-resolution digital yeah, video in these yeah, music okay. so videos, which has a yeah, kind of okay. futurism element. I'm not yeah. sure. I mean, he's doing the theatre stuff that he's doing. Are you familiar with The Office, which was a UK show and then became an American show? No. It, I anyway, mean, it's a theatre version of The Office. So, I mean, it's not... It's not. I mean, it's, I guess, high theatre now. I don't know. But, I mean, that's what he's doing um, with yeah, his cool. time. And, yeah, yeah, that's great. And he's making a living doing it? Um, well, I think he's still working at the tax office part-time. So, I mean, ah, he's still... okay. Anyway, he's making enough to continue yeah, doing it, and that's yeah. all that really counts. So. Yeah. Oh, so, good. Yeah, I, I probably need to make contact with him. My only real contact with my family has been with my mother in the past few months because she's been looking after my aging grandmother um so i get kind of period updates from her but without both my brothers have basically discarded telephones they don't use telephones for communication they barely use their cell phones and it makes them almost impossible to contact well don't Uh, they have skype or something no they don't do anything like that that's oh so they're off i mean they're offline then that's their existence they briefly are online i can send emails to them occasionally that will get responses Uh but their social life is completely not online yeah okay and you know i mean they actually know people in squish and meet regularly yeah yeah yeah, i know yeah i understand that can be an interesting yeah well then you just got to work with that you know, you got to find out, and that and that's part of that's a, an onus on them is to make it real clear to people how to get a hold of them because the rest of us aren't going to live like that. Well, I think the interesting thing is when they stopped using the telephone, it was really very curious because the family home where they lived for a period of time, where both of them lived on and off, always had a a number that was reachable and easily reachable, and they would pick up from that periodically. But when they turned that off, it was impossible to reach them. I mean, they both have cell phones, but they never answer them. Well, but you can leave a message, right? After you leave, maybe four messages, you start well, to wonder well, why you're leaving Well, then obviously, if you leave four messages and he doesn't respond, he doesn't want to talk to you. I mean, it's pretty fucking simple. <laughs> you know? Get the, get the point. That's exactly my point. Yeah. Well, but I mean, yeah, that's, that's simple to, to figure out. Yeah. You know, but you message him at at the final point when you say, "Okay, I got it. You don't want to talk with me. This is the last communication you will get. Uh, I'm open to hearing from you if you ever want to communicate, but I'm done. I'm Goodbye. Just that, I'm just not that dramatic, Karen. I just well, it's not dramatic. That's just sensible. Well, I don't even think that communication's necessary. I mean, my view is after you've left three or four messages. Oh, I think it is necessary. Self-assured. I think it is necessary to let them know that the door is open if they're interested. Well, they're aware of that. There's nothing no, I've they're not. To... No, they need to hear it. They need to hear it. They're, yeah. Listen, they're brain damage language. No, I think this is a cultural thing here, Heron. I, my view is that in Australia, you don't need to have those conversations. You may need to have those conversations here, but that's Okay, not you're maybe right. I don't know. I'm only yeah. speaking about my own experience here in California, so you're yes. right. Yes. So... My main communication through the past couple of weeks with our our friends in Southern California, uh, Marie Camacho and her boyfriend, was a photo that Marie... Wait, what's his name? Uh, now you're testing me. His name is Justin. Justin. Okay, let's call him Justin instead of Marie's boy. How about Marie and Justin? Marie and Justin. Are you, you really, uh, you know... I, my, no, listen, I respect our listeners. If, if they've if they got enough intelligence to come and listen to this shit instead of watching Dancing with the Stars, yes. um, you know, they got to be pretty weird. Yes. So, so let's only, give them a little respect. The only photograph, <laughs> the only communication I've had of a meaningful fashion from these folk in the past two weeks 
is Marie wearing an Obelate t-shirt and, I guess, posing yeah. as an Obelate? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. Yes, yes. I so, need to get some Gendo t-shirts, see? Well, you see, should we air this, Heron, or shouldn't we air this? I'm not sure whether we air this what? or don't air this. What? Well... A while back, you and I had discussions associated with your journals, which involved actually me going through your journals yeah. and cutting sections out of the journals and putting together PDFs and passing yeah, them on yeah. to the listenership. Yeah, great. Yeah. So I had some of these images, which by all truth, by my understanding at least, once they've been passed around in PDFs and what have you and put on the <laughs> Internet Archive, are basically effectively as close to being in the public domain as they ever could be. Whatever. I don't really care. Anyway, <laughs> I, I threw one of these images on a T-shirt, put it on the Stone Eight Facebook group. People oh, started liking I remember it that. and saying yeah, yes. Right, yeah. yeah, I remember that. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even know how to kind of destruct, de- de- deconstruct the communication that followed from this. But you initially, I guess, had some concern associated with the price. Well, no, I was just surprised that nobody bothered to tell me. Well, <laughs> you know, no, yeah. I don't give a shit about the legality of it or whether it's in the public domain. You know, I put that stuff out there for anybody. You took it and decided to do something with it. I think that's great. I think it would have been reasonable to uh, talk to, con- you know, to run it by me at least. Yeah. You know, maybe not legally. I don't give a shit about that. It just seems like the right thing to do. Yeah, I guess my view is that I exist in an information processing flow. And although I acknowledge in reflection, I could have said something explicitly to you about it. I'm in constant motion with regards to these kind of things. and I understand, I understand yeah. that. That's, that's why it doesn't really bother me that much. I just mentioned how I felt about it. That's all. Yeah. So, I mean, my view is actually what the listeners should do is create their own Stone Ape t-shirts, what have you. It can be no more offensive than the kinds of things that Aaron and I can think of. <laughs> well, I should, what I need to do is make my own damn t-shirt. I mean, I need to do again, though, t-shirt, really. I think that's a good idea, actually. Mm. And, I, and I already know pretty much what it'll look like. Yes. Know? I mean, the Gendo logo is a great logo. Easily identifiable, and um, you know, is it also used by martial arts? Uh, well, that yin yang thing is used by everybody under the sun, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, you you would use the Gendo script, however, is that what you'd do? The the kanji for it, yeah, right, yeah, just that that logo, just the way it shows up. Well, you've seen it, you know, with the Japanese uh, kanji characters over the yin yang symbol, yes, yeah. I love that. I think that's a great. I think that's a great logo. And the first person to get it as a tattoo gets a lifetime supply of stuff. I've already got a guy. It already exists as a tattoo. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah, so. I was yeah honored by this guy. I met him at a Starbucks. Uh, heavily tattooed guy, <laughs> and uh, we ended up having some kind of interesting conversations. And I and anyway, he went out and got a Gendo tattoo added to his arm. Came in and showed it to me. Wow. <laughs> well, I stand corrected. <laughs> that was awesome. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Thank you for uh, bringing that up. Yes. <laughs> and I guess anyone who gets a Noble Lake tattoo, I'll give a free 
tattoo removal laser. <laughs> Surgery associated with that yeah. little thing. He changed the colors of it, though. I didn't like yeah. it. Actually, I didn't like what he did with oh, it. Oh, no. <laughs> did you get out your knife and cut it off? Yeah, no, no. He was a big, muscular guy. He'd beat the shit out of me. Yeah. I was always very polite with him. Yeah. Uh, this is an unauthorized <laughs> tattoo. You must remove it now. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he was being creative. Very good. <laughs> very very good yes I I mean I'm relatively unique in terms of the people that I know I guess I have a few other co-workers that aren't tattooed but I am relatively unique I mean my wife still I mean my wife has tattoos and almost everyone I meet in this part of the world and even in Las Vegas had tattoos it seemed almost like a just something that people did at a time in their life yeah yeah, do well, you, it's a fashion. No. Hmm. I thought about it, but then, I, but at this point, it's just you know, it's just following the herd. You know, <laughs> it's a little late for that. I mean, I'm unique, not having any tattoos. Mm. You know, so that works great for me. Yeah, I have a wide variety of curious scars. I mean, my yeah. view is that you know that's. A cool if I was going to get one, I'd probably do something dramatic, like getting the gendo thing done in my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or something really weird. Charlie Manson S. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, but really cool, though. Really done extremely well. You know, right in your forehead, right where the third eye is. You know, everybody could get all sorts of symbolism out of that. It would be great. Mm. <laughs> but like I say, I don't know what the odds of that happening are. It's pretty slim, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but you never can tell. See, that's the thing. We don't know what the future is going to bring. I never, I certainly never imagined, when I was 16, if I could have looked forward and seen who I am now, I would have killed myself. Would you? Oh, yeah. At 16, I thought I knew what was really cool, and I'll tell you, this isn't it. <laughs> so what was it? Oh, uh, having, having a car that was lowered with a really cool paint job and pinstripes on it and loud mufflers mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of stuff. So if I figured when I got married and had a job that if I was cool enough to have like a really cool car, then I will have made it in life. It's interesting, actually, because there's a section in your <laughs> journal that details exactly that. Really? Yeah. No, it's really quite striking. In fact, yeah. it's even a passage that my wife noted. That same little story. Ah, interesting. Okay, yeah. Well, anyway, that's uh, that's really true. Yeah, that was that was um, pretty much th- what was going on in my language machine when I was sixteen years old. Hmm. Yeah, I actually, honestly, don't have. I just wanted to escape. I mean, that was that was all that was driving me at that time in my life. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That's a big difference. Sure. Was the notion that I just I had want to, to get, get the out. fuck out of this place. Yeah. Did you know where you wanted to you go or did you just get out of here? No, I knew where I wanted to go. Okay. All right. And I'm there. <laughs> okay, so you accomplished mission accomplished. To a certain extent. Yeah, you just yeah. replace one lot of shit for well, another lot of well, shit. Well, yeah, but yeah. but you at least now the load of shit you got is the one you created for yourself instead of the one that got dumped on exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean my my view is that the the ability to get out of wherever you are is one of the greatest oh, yeah. And my view actually is, particularly from the people that I've met from Somalia, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, no matter where you are in this crazy world, you can get out of where you are and go to somewhere else. Yeah, where it's 
totally crazy, but in, a, in an entirely different exactly. way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And really, I mean, this is this is the thing that needs to be told to people from a very yeah. young age. Yeah. Well, again, this whole idea of co- the concept of self and, and the, the, the story we have about what reality is. Yes. I mean, these are all basic misconstructions in, in the whole in the all of the languages of the world, as far as I can tell, is that most people still think that their story is the way the world really is, not just their story. Mm. And until until we get past that, <laughs> you know, we're not going to make much progress. And, but like I say, that's relatively simple, actually. Yes. Yeah. If you know that. You know that your religion is the way the universe really, really is constructed. But there is just no negotiation. Doesn't it is interesting, actually. I mean, particularly our discussions associated with Egypt, mm. that you resolve on this notion that there is. I'm afraid of religion. Yeah, no, that's clear. You know, yeah, I find religion to be well. It's not religion; it's belief. Like I say, atheism, as far as I'm concerned, is as stupid as Christianity. Yeah. You know, uh, the fact is, we don't know what the fuck's going on here. We got science. That's a pretty good story. <laughs> you know, that's given us a lot of hints and things, and we're doing okay there. But, um, you know, we don't know. And anybody who claims they know what the truth is about the structure of reality is fucking nuts. Yes. And we give them tax breaks. <laughs> yes. you know? I don't know. It doesn't well, seem like a good idea to me. Or we arm them. <laughs> yes, we. That's right. Or yeah, we, you know, we put. Well, them like I said, there's a lot of work to be done. Power. Well, yeah. Well, of course, but this is the job. I don't see any other. I don't. Unless we solve this basic problem, I don't see that any other thing that anybody's doing in any other domain is really going to make any difference. Unless we really change fundamentally the way we think about thinking and, uh, and understand the limitations of language and, and just what a weird situation we're actually in. You know, I mean, if people go around with the idea that they actually know what reality really is and, that, and think that's not crazy, th- then we got a big problem. Well, we do. Look, read the newspaper. <laughs> you know? So last time we talked, I raised the idea of creating a space the space outside cities where people would come through and you know basically what Leary was trying to create in yeah in upstate new york but perhaps considerably more focused on you know some of some of my so, interests or some of your interests the the model of a monastery makes sense to me yes you know, a place where a few people live uh, and provide us, but have a public space and their people come through and uh, spend time there and then leave or whatever. Yes. <laughs> or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I dwell on this as well. It's and they should. I was thinking, actually, it struck me that a good way to start would be to buy motels. That motel properties are perfectly situated for that, you know. Yeah, the, the, out in I, Malibu or some up in the mountains, you know, you gotta, you know, you could, you need to do some renovation, but you, it's perfect for housing people traveling through. 
Yeah, there's a. I think there's a Rob Zombie directed horror film that starts that way. <laughs> really, I've always felt that. In fact, I've stayed in a few motels that I felt were were exactly in that <laughs> phenomena. Now, my view is not motels. Definitely, definitely not motels. But uh, no, I'm watching the stock. Well, I'm just talking about a cheap way to get started. Well, that you've, got you... the, you've got the physical structure yeah. that you need. But the motel is never the physical structure that you want. It's just a way of kind of. It's a, it was a way to get. It was just a way to get started. That's all. Yeah. yeah no. You, ideally, you'd want to design the space yourself. To, it's, in terms yeah. of wood and time, it's a few weekends worth of time to create rooms and things that at least well, you'd have communal areas and these well, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. As well. Yeah. It, 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 it's. Quite expensive. To do this right would be very expensive. You know. Well, this is the thing that interests me. So, as I've been doing for the past two years, we are currently saving for a house in this part of the world. And you come to a point where you can actually buy a substantial portion of property in Georgia next to a railway route that links, you know, various places yeah. and quite comfortably. And you start to wonder, what are you actually doing? In yeah, the as long as you got a fast internet connection. And <laughs> a way for people much to difference. come to yeah. and from. I mean, yeah, and a way, a way for people to get there. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know? More or less. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even really need that because you can always go to someplace else. Well, the thing that I like about the rail route is that people can come – <laughs> the whole eastern seaboard in this country is so neatly linked by train and that's road. Right. I guess people really do use trains, don't yeah. they? See, in, in, here in California, that's – I mean, there are some people Still who do. do but but yeah, yeah. 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 So, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've – on, uh, yeah, yeah. on the map, I've found places in the east coast that are like – there are places here as well. I mean, St. Louis Obispo. I mean, there are places outside oh, yeah. the – well, and you could do it in the city, too. You could do it in, like I say, Santa Monica. I mean, it would be more expensive. It's just about money, you know? I mean, really, well, you could do it any place. The problem with the money thing is that if you find a place which is ideally located but also relatively cheap to start out, you have a lower barrier for actually starting the thing and getting it operational. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. The stuff that I've read associated with people that have, you know, put more than half a million into these kind of facilities always strikes me with real ire because it also influences the people that they get coming through, you know, and it changes. In fact, after, yeah. the, after the dinner, uh, KMO, his wife, and a few of the other folks who'd assembled walked back to Netflix, which is about a five-minute walk from the Chinese restaurant, and I was talking to KMO because he was part of what was called the Eco Village Training Centre, which was a collective to train young people how to set up communes and alternative farms. And we talked about it because it was actually right next to a kind of commune alternative farm, but it was run by a lot of older people who didn't like all the young folk who were coming through to the training centre and thought it was taking away from their kind of you know, collective that they had created. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. we talked about my experiences with regards to these kind of environments in Australia and the fact that I still, irrespective of what uh, I'd experienced in these places, still had a really strong feeling that there was a necessity for these kind of environments. And, I mean, the distinction here, Bruce Damer has a space like this up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. The difference is it's like an hour's worth of, you know, windy double back on yourself roads to get yeah, to where yeah. he is. 
Yeah, and if you can generate the right information in the world, then you can make that work. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that that's the issue. That's I mean, that's part of what I'm still trying to figure out. How am I going to survive? Uh, I mean, this newspaper thing isn't going to last forever. Clearly, newspapers are on their way out. I need to, I need to support myself doing something that's interesting to me. So, yeah. one of the first Kickstarters I put money in, and in fact, a shame to say that I haven't actually had time to explore it this week because of the nature of my week, arrived today. This is a German company that, as I describe about these kind of fantasy universes, created two uh, hardback books plus a series of toy soldiers in their own prescribed fantasy universe that's loosely based on um, like ancient Greek mythology. Very rich, very detailed, a lot of artwork. They raised about, I think, 120,000 euro doing this. They were relatively successful. And now we're sending out the, the figures and the books and things like that. I think Kickstarter holds some of this potential. I'm certainly interested in trying the comic book on Kickstarter to get a sense of whether one can float mm. these kind of ideas. I mean, yeah. truth be told, after I've got the software up and running particularly if it's end-to-end open source. My aim is to launch it formally through something like Kickstarter as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and things are going to, there are going to probably be new things coming on, online, you know? Kickstarter was unimagined five years ago. Yeah. You know, and, and here it is. Uh, I think probably in the next five years we may find, you know, I don't think we know what we're going to find, even in five years from now. I, I, there are people out there, you know, who are going to come up with some amazing possibilities, I assume. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because I'm starting to wonder if the Kickstarter model will really define the next decade of my life, potentially. I mean, the way I've produced things historically is that I've just produced things and put them out there. And, you know, if people are interested, they'll download it or occasionally if it's something for sale, they'll buy it. But I do wonder if Kickstarter creates a new kind of momentum where people ultimately vote financially. Well, and the issue is what kind of projects are appropriate for that model. For yeah. some for some things, it's just obvious a match, you know. Yeah. And for other things, it may not be a good idea at all. That that's that's the issue is finding out, you know, what kinds of projects it's appropriate for. Yes, I think this is something that I'm going to. I'm going to have to put my body in the water, so to speak. I can, well, you've uh, already done it, man. When you hired a an artist, when you, I know, when you hired an artist, from, yeah. you already put yeah. yourself on on Started a, the process. A, yeah, yeah. Put myself on notice that this thing had to be produced. Yes, I guess so. I mean, that's certainly one I felt when I. It's funny actually because I was holding the paper print comic book in my hand <laughs> and just kind of thumbing through it, and my wife actually took it from me because she wanted to have the same experience. She could yeah. tell through my kind of tactile and my view actually is and i'm you know eventually i mean when this is in pre-production i'll certainly get you a copy here because my view is that um you may have a considerably more critical view associated with this thing than i do and i'm almost looking <laughs> actually that on that <laughs> i'm almost looking actually for that kind of criticism i mean this is why yeah. i contacted uh you know, my friend Mike in Burbank to actually see if he could give some kind of critical yeah. edge to it. My concern, I guess, is that I'm very receptive to Anita's style, but I can imagine people being annoyed by yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's something that, yeah, all of those 
are yeah, yeah, those, those and those are your decisions to make. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> so I'm I think I'm pretty well out of topics here, Heron. Really? I'm not even out of wine. Uh, so you must be able to throw out a topic. Come on, delve deep. And propose a topic. Well, I only have one topic. It's the same topic all the time. The voice in your head is not something that you are doing. Mm-hmm. It's so, something happening to you. Let's explore this a little bit. So my grandmother is now 92, I think, 92 or 93. And she, having been someone, even up until now, who can win games of Scrabble, has all, in fact, she's completely lost her ability to speak. Oh, she okay. now has to write on... Oh, she can still write, though, so she can yes. still think. Okay. Yes. Oh, so no, it's no, just some... Okay, it's, go ahead. It's, her body is losing... Her mind is not losing anything. It's her body oh, okay. that's losing Oh, okay. Okay, she, okay. So it's just a vocal paralyzation or something. Yeah. yeah. I got you. Okay. And her writing yeah. with her hand is... Getting, How old is she? She's 92, I think. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So... And, it's, it's, and the trend is down, I would imagine. Well, right? she's not getting having, any better. Having lived in her house up until a week ago, she is now in a nursing home, but a very good nursing home, yeah, thankfully. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, because she's getting hot meals and hot showers, which she wasn't able to do in her old space. Oh, okay. So this is good for her, then. Yeah, so right. she could go on like this for a while, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that my has any, is, Have you talked to her? Or? It's impossible to talk to her <laughs> Oh, that's right. Uh, duh. So, Never um, mind. <laughs> I spoke Have you to visited the, her? No, I can't. She's in South Australia. I'd need to go to South Australia. Of course Australia you can. get on an airplane and you go visit yeah, her. Yeah, I'm waiting for... Unfortunately, my viewers are consent... You work can, at Netflix, man. You're fucking rich. Yeah. Well, I can use my wealth <laughs> to actually encourage other family members to go visit them. If my brother's ever picked up the phones, they might be able to uh, get that kind of luxury as well. Yeah, I anticipate um, probably, you know, by the end of the year or maybe slightly earlier, uh, traveling back to Australia. Um, Mm. The thing that strikes me about this is that um, this phenomena of being trapped inside your body is actually one of the most, I mean, for, for me at least, and certainly from your description, it would appear to you potentially as well to be... um, really quite a kind of curious way to spend the last <laughs> period of your life. Well, curious is a good word for that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you could maintain some sort of scientific, philosophical approach to the whole thing. So she <laughs> has written down instructions to my mother, like, please bring me some short stories to read. Oh, okay, and, and she can move uh, and stuff, and so she can actually read? Yeah, she can read. Oh, okay, good. Okay, so she's there. She just can't talk. Yeah. In her mind is okay. Yeah. Oh, well, and, and so what's the problem then? She can't talk. So why is she in the nursing home? Can she get up and walk around? No, she, she can't. She The muscular deterioration oh, okay. affected her walking initially. And basically, it's amazing actually that she still has her hand dexterity. But she can't talk because of basically muscular deterioration. Okay. You know, there's been a lot of studies to show that under any circumstances, any circumstances, a regimen of exercise actually can improve physical strength dramatically. This even, is, even in cases like what you're talking but, about. But, I mean, when you have a neurological deteriorating muscular condition, well, you're I, right. But, unfortunately, it's called a deteriorating muscular condition for a reason. 
Well, in, in any case, I don't know this the details yeah. of this, so I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. No, I mean, look, she was extremely considered. while her husband was still alive, which was two maybe three years ago now, two years ago now. Um, they did have regular exercise and what have you, and I mean, she's had. Regular Does she want to go on? Has she indicated that she thinks it's time to check out? Or no, she she. Um, no, she wants books to read. She's <laughs> hanging in there. I mean, that's, yeah, okay. she has always been probably. I mean, she's a matriarch. Does she listen family. to the Stone Ape podcast? No, she doesn't. I well, goddamn be- it! Get her listening to the Stone Ape podcast. I'll I'll have a talk with her. <laughs> the, the funny thing. The funny thing about the phenomena is that. Um, I would have given her, I mean, I would have given her a field of chaos. I would have given her a lot of my writing, but my mother has always been concerned to present her this kind of information. I don't know. It's very curious. He wanted to know what happened to my wife's grandmother and my mother, you know, refused to tell her. She was able actually to get it out of some relation that didn't know that she didn't know. So, no, she's very mentally strong. It's really actually quite striking. I mean, when I went and visited her, to well 18 months ago um she was still very you know intellectually there yeah piercingly so i mean really you get the impression that there has been no intellectual oh, if she's asking whatsoever. yeah if she's asking for books to read you know that would suggest there's something going on there yeah, yeah. Did she specify which books? Uh, well, she knew. Did she, she want Archie comics? No, or no, no. She no, wants no. Wittgenstein. She, well, she, she, she wants interesting short stories, and she knows okay. that saying that to my mother would get that. So. Okay, all right, yeah. yeah, good. Well, that sounds like she's there. Yeah, yeah, but the, the issue is, if her body is giving out, then it's just a matter of time until her body gives out. You know, and mm. deal with that. Yeah, it does. I mean. The notion- See, I'd want to kill myself. I would, in fact, if if I came to the conclusion that this is it, you know, this is uh, this deterioration ain't going to change, and I'm in a position where I can't really be self-supporting or anything, then I would check out. Yeah, that just seems like a reasonable. I, I've been so lucky, so blessed to have the health that I've had, mm. you know, and the energy that I've got, uh, you know. Because, man, if if you're, you know, if you hurt, if you're unhealthy, if you don't have any energy, that puts serious constraints on what people can do and think. Yes. Yes, it is an it is an interesting phenomenon. Associated and I'm just fucking lucky. Like I say, the yes. whole thing, the waking up, the Alan Watts book dumping in my lap, <laughs> you know, out of nowhere with no interest in that shit or anything. You know, I, I just feel like, um, well, if it hadn't been for that, you know, me reaching over and picking up that book, if I'd picked up almost any other book, well, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, who knows who I would be today? You know, I'd probably be. Well, I don't know. I could have been anybody, but I certainly wouldn't. Well, maybe I'd even be me. <laughs> so the interesting thing is that the access to that kind of literature has really dropped off. I mean, I, I guess you could get that information now through podcasts or Wikipedia or these kind of things. What information? I don't know. Well, what you get in an Alan Watts book is particularly distilled. Well, you have to read a book. Yeah, you have to yeah. actually go read the book. <laughs> yeah, but that's easy now. That's the easiest thing in the world. Much mm. easier. 
ever was. You just type the words in a browser and hit go and go to Amazon, buy it used for $3 and pay $4 shipping and you get it in a week. I mean, people, you know, we have people in their early 20s that are using the Stone Ape podcast currently for that purpose as well. For what purpose? What, you mean to find things to read? No, it's an alternative source of information to change their fundamental thinking really? about a variety of ideas. Cool. God, talk to us. Call me. Yeah. I hope I can help. <laughs> yeah. In fact, look, let me, let me, you know, we are just stupid here, and you and I. There are actual listeners. We're brain damaged language monkeys. There are actual listeners that I'm sure are online and on Facebook currently that have Skype connections. Why, when we've run out of stuff to say, why don't we throw these? Ah, let's test this. Let's see if there's anybody there. So, (laughs) so how do you do that? You know how to do this. So we've got a variety. We've got a variety of people online, and some of them are Stoneate listeners. Really? Yes. Oh, how interesting. Peter Stimple is online. Ah, and we can okay. just invite him right into this. Ooh, wouldn't that be interesting? Heron wants say, nah, nah, to I, I'm bored. I'm watching. I'm right in the middle of Dancing with the Stars. Call me later. Oh, look, wait. I've gone to him. I've seen <laughs> he has to call in. We, we are experimenting, folks. We are testing the boundaries here. Let us see if we can get this thing done. Come on, Peter. You can do it. Has he has he uh, responded to you yet? Not yet. Okay. Let's so, see who else is out. Yeah, I, I just yeah, I leave Skype on all the time, even when I'm not here. So it doesn't doesn't mean anything. Yes, yeah. Who else is on here that would talk to us? I'm trying to see Marie come out. Ah, you know, even this attempt when when this gets broadcast, people will get the idea that they need to be home. <laughs> on, the, on a Friday, on Friday night. Because you never can tell, we may take call-ins. Yes, we're trying desperately to find <laughs> yeah, we're listeners. we're trying it now, and probably, there are probably a few people who would call in, Let you know? Let me see, I'm, 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 I, Tracy we, we, could, we could make that a standard Damn thing, it. if it's interesting to them, is to end the show with call-in. Ooh. Can you get on Skype? Can, can Heron control, wants can, to talk. Can, can we control the mics in a, in a group call? Or are uh, they we can try. Time? Let me see who else is on here. Uh, I don't think we can. I think anyone in the call has got a live mic. So it's going to require a great deal of facilitation to keep this from turning into chaos. I don't think that's the case. I don't think our listeners are inherently chaotic. Oh, uh, Paul uh, Brian Hancock's online. Here, let's get him on. Uh, you sky of all... Heron wants to talk. <laughs> well, what about Tom? I'm put tied up for about 45 in. minutes. Peter Stimple responds. Ah, okay. Well, so too bad. Next time. Okay. But anyway, this is a possibility. And, and now that we've said it and tried it and it goes out into the great wilderness, um, people will be aware of this. Okay. He, Tracy is taking her son to a friend's house. And hold it, we've got one response here from Peter Stimple. And I've got nothing back from Marie Camacho. And hold it, let me see. I've got to hit enter on Paul Ryan Hancock. I'm pretty... Uh, okay, so Tracy's out. And Peter Stimple says, sorry, next time. Yeah. Well, what a bunch of schmucks. <laughs> no, we are the schmucks. No, we're not, because now... This is, no, they're not schmucks. They're, they have lives. 
Pirates. <laughs> unlike you and me. Well, unlike me, anyway. Yes, well, anyway. <laughs> well, anyway, I try. But anyway, uh, I, think this is, I think we should try this again next week, or whenever we do this again, and uh, just make it a, an invitation for the end of it every time, you know? Yes. If someone will show up or they won't. Oh, this Eric guy is always... Uh, would you be interested? Well, if they haven't been, oh, of course, of course, they. I was going to say, well, if they haven't been listening, <laughs> I realized, no, no, of course, they're not listening. <laughs> yes. Oh, so you I'm can trying, type fast. Huh? I'm trying to uh, get on some people that are actually interesting. Yeah, that would be helpful. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Although, if they're deeply language monkey-ish, uh, that can be interesting, too. Yes. I and instructive, ac- actually. So Paul Brian Hancock says he's on Skype, but he's not actually responding. I'm just going through the list here. Yeah. yeah. I think I think we're officially done, Heron. I think yeah, you and okay. I, have, we've tried desperately. Yeah. We, no, we, no, we tried, I think, valiantly. Yes. And, um, and now it's out there. We're open to... Um, Yes. Ending it up with, uh, and of course, people who aren't going to, if they do come in, they have no idea what the fuck we've been talking about. Even better. <laughs> Even better. So, yeah, uh, interesting. Well, I mean, that changes it then. So it's, it's really a free-for-all. You know, a which is why no one wants to attend. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, listen, it's open, man. Whatever you want to talk about, here it is. Here's your opportunity. Um, <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if it, if there's some psychic bleed over, and somehow it's right on topic with what we were talking about. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Good luck. Yes. <laughs> Not Chelsea Manning. Here we are. I'm stuck in a meeting. Oh, okay. Oh my goodness! Okay, okay. I won't even read out his. Uh, wow, that's some real world uh, problems right there. Okay, moving on from this, um, Aaron. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm having the terrible temperature thing, which hopefully will, I guess, fix itself through the winter months, where it won't be unbelievable. Yeah, that. Yeah, that usually does solve the problem. Yes, but Aaron, it's been a pleasure. To, and I would encourage our listeners if they can't be on Skype on a Friday night because they've got many other wonderful plans. Um, but yeah, they submit questions through the Facebook group or via email. My suspicion is actually that Joe the drummer, because I've been receiving these um, like CNN and other news posts directly to my email address, that Joe the drummer has been forwarding me news articles that he wants us to talk about. Ah. But they're always sufficiently disturbed that my wife has started to think then it might be some strange ex-girlfriend stalking me <laughs> instead of Joe the Drummer. <laughs> so, Joe the Drummer, if that, in fact, is you sending me the strange CNN articles about children killing each other and committing suicide, please do send it via email identifying that they are truly from you. See, I, this is the the beauty of being a hermit and uh, invisible to the world. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm not, you know, I do get emails once in a while, and it's nice when I do, but uh, still, you know, everybody I've ever talked to who's become visible in the larger community has got to deal with a lot of bullshit. Very good, Heron. Well, I'm going to have to call it a night, unfortunately, but it's been a pleasure as always. Talk to you next week.
Good night. See ya.